Hi, and welcome to Halfwit History. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Kylie. And this is a show where we talk about the upcoming week, but a long time ago. And sometimes not so long ago. Yeah, so this is my week. Uh, I guess a bit of an update is, sorry for the delay, we were on vacation. Vacation! It It was was well-deserved. Yeah, I needed that. Very much needed. I could have, like, you know, taken, like, four more weeks of vacation happily, but... The one week did me good. <laughs> you know, it would be better than four more weeks of vacation. A honeymoon? Well, I wasn't going to go be depressing about it. <laughs> I, I was going to I was going to say if we got paid to do this. Oh, well, yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be ideal. <laughs> Wouldn't be exactly vacation, but nah, closer. Closer. Definitely closer. Definitely spend more time with the Bilbo. That's right. And the Georgie. Don't say his name too loud. It might wake him. Uh, his eyes are like vi- like closed. <laughs> the like third eyelid or whatever it is is like completely across it. <laughs> Mammals don't have third eyelids. Well, probably. however many freaking eyelids he has. Because <laughs> like they had, you know how like dogs have that like inner one and then they have like their like actual eyelid? It's, the, you- it's the same as what we have. Mine does not do that. No, it's definitely like larger, but it's the same thing. Well, it feels like another eyelid. You you feel it? <laughs> Poor Bilbo. <laughs> Stop poking Bilbo's eyeballs. I know that you have contacts and you can do that, but he probably doesn't. Yeah, want to watch? No, I don't want to watch. <laughs> I wear glasses like a sane human. Well, I like having peripheral vision, so. Mine's, you win some, you lose some. Mine's very bad anyways. I know. We are off topic. So off topic. Let's go. <laughs> no updates moving along. <laughs> yes. We had vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to be taking a little bit of a stretch with this topic today. Uh-huh. And you'll see why in a second. So anyways, <laughs> my topic is June 30th of 1982, the New Jersey NHL franchise officially names their franchise the devils by fan balloting okay and just another quick aside is i'm really glad that back in the 80s fan balance didn't devolve down into naming the nhl team the jersey mcjersey faces <laughs> you mean like Bodie McBoface? <laughs> yeah or like every other fan yep. poll that ever happens these days i mean yep. i i love it for the memory but <laughs> yes um fun fact my uh k through eighth grade were the blue devils oh so yeah cool so why did they pick the devils it turns out that the name pays homage to the legend of the jersey devil a creature that allegedly inhabited the Pine Barrens of South Jersey. Ah. So I'm going to do it cryptid today. Oh, you're really stretching it this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I appreciate the it. The history was the about the is franchise good. of the NHL, but cryptids are more fun. Cryptids are so much more fun. Let's go. I wanted to learn about this devil. Sorry, Devils fans. <laughs> and you're welcome, Devils fans. A little bit of both. I a little like bit it. of both. So the most common description of the New Jersey Devil is that it looks like a horse with long kangaroo-like back legs, big bat wings, and a goat head. That's very disturbing imagery. It's very strange. And like some of the old drawings of it are 
just equally as strange. That also looks nothing like I would have ever envisioned a devil to look like. Well, the goat head pretty well, much pulls together the whole devil imagery right away. Yeah, I guess. That's goat true. head in the wings. I will say my middle slash elementary school's devil was like cartoonishly cute and chubby and had a little tiny horn. So it was more like a weird cross between like a devil and a fawn. It like, was for a middle school, Kylie. Well, yes, but I appreciate that kind of devil. <laughs> okay. So there have been quite a few sightings of the beast on record dating from as recent as 2015 to as early as 1820. Oh, wow. So the sightings that was somewhere between 1817 and 1820 was reported by a Joseph Bonaparte, who is Napoleon's older brother. Oh, I was wondering if there was a connection. There is a connection. The previous king of Spain. Hmm. Wait, what? He was the previous king of Spain. Oh, Joseph Bonaparte. Yep. Yep. I was like, Napoleon was in France. (laughs) So once he was no longer the king of Spain, he ended up living in Jersey. Uh, uh, I have questions, but I don't think they're relevant. They'll be quickly answered by when he was no longer king of Spain, he stole a bunch of Spanish jewels, fled to the nearest country, and started selling them from a cabin in the... Well, not a cabin, a mansion in the woods. So he was on the run. Basically. I'm not sure if he was on the run. I or, didn't look into it all that much, but he uh, he definitely did, took some things when he left that you know, probably fig- shouldn't have. Figured New Jersey in like, what, 1820 was probably far enough away from Spain. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's probably a good guess. A whole world away. I mean, yes. <laughs> so supposedly he was out hunting when he saw a two-legged donkey's hoof tracks in the snow. Weird assumption, Joseph Bonaparte. Yeah, why would there be a two-legged donkey? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, that's that's what I saw on multiple sites. That he, you know, whatever. Use uh, your thinking cap, bud. So supposedly he followed them until they disappeared, at which point he notes that it seems like the tracks disappeared because the creature took flight. Again... Not entirely sure what you're doing, Joseph, where you're saying that it looks like a two-legged donkey's hooves took flight exclusively from the tracks you were following. That's, yeah, that's some really wild accusations going on. Wouldn't you assume jumped and you lost track of the tracks? Not Maybe. Flew? Oh, no, because he's a Bonaparte, so there's no way he's ever going to admit that he, like, messed up in tracking like something like that's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah anyways he then claims that the beast that i described earlier landed in front of him he forgot that he had a gun and he just stood there (laughs) awestruck and before he could snap out of it the creature flew away (laughs) so i guess i'll follow this up with this account has no proof it is just a legend there's no record of Joseph Bonaparte ever doing any of this, but for some reason, his legend of running into the Jersey Devil is both the oldest and the one, probably the most popular. Interesting. <laughs> so anyways, if that is just legend, uh, where do we get the rest of it from? The most prominent sightings of the Jersey Devil happened in 1909 when newspapers started publishing that hoofprints were being found in the snow and on roofs. 
People in the area started reporting that their chickens and other livestock were being killed, and similar prints were found in the area of the murders of the chickens and livestock. All right. So the, what, like the the two donkey legs again? (laughs) Yes, more double donkey legs that looked like they possibly took flight. I think this time they could get flight from the fact that they were on roofs of buildings. Yes, that that could potentially lend itself to flight or really good jumping ability. Could be a goat. Goats are good at that. Goats are ridiculous at that. It's weird that they assumed that the goat part of this being was its head and not and, its feet. <laughs> yeah, really? I I have so many questions about whoever dreamt up this creature. Cryptids are crazy. Yeah. So a lot of these accounts ended up getting published, and eventually people started forming hunting parties to look for the beast. Even zoos were offering around $10,000 rewards to anyone who could capture it. All right, new plan. We're going to become cryptid hunters. There are many shows about that, and I don't think that, uh, you know, most cryptid hunters that don't get TV spots end up making it anywhere. I think we could do it. Okay. (laughs) Add that to another list of side hustles that get us nowhere. (laughs) Outlaws, train robbers, pirates, now cryptid hunters. <laughs> I was going for a uh, history podcaster and <laughs> oh, and tabletop RPG podcasters. Well, then, <laughs> we were on very different roads with that train of thought. <laughs> Someday we will be somewhere with this. We swear. We'll be, this will be our main hustle. Someday. Looping I'm just it back like, to our opening conversation. <laughs> I'm just shaking my head over here. <laughs> it better be. So then sprang up the hoaxers that were trying to claim that they did capture the beast. The most notable account of this was a sideshow where someone had acquired a kangaroo and taped wings to it. And supposedly there was someone with a poker that would prod the animal so that it would jump out from behind curtains at spectators. (laughs) So this is probably where we get at least some of the popularity of it being described with kangaroo-like legs is this one hoaxer who happened to get their hands on a kangaroo. Jump scare! (laughs) (laughs) So the thing that also solidified the cryptid sightings was that a lot of public officials, such as like police officers, fighter fighters, and like local government, started claiming that they had run-ins with the creature as well. And all of these different claims and sightings and hunting parties and rewards were all being posted in local newspapers. Hmm. So it wasn't just kind of like word of mouth legend, like the Joseph Bonaparte thing. (laughs) There's a a lot of documentation from back then of people searching for this uh, Jersey devil. Alrighty. So yeah, it 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 became a legitimate craze in 1909. That's that's impressive. Um, Yeah. So with that, people obviously began to look for more information on the Jersey devil. And what they ended up coming across were folk tales, like the one with Joseph Bonaparte. And eventually, they stumbled on one that had equally old origin stories. And that's when they discovered that it was originally called the Leeds Devil. Oh, okay. So its origin story goes back almost another hundred years from the Bonaparte story, back into 1735. According to the legend, the At Leeds Point in New Jersey, there was a family that had 12 children. When the 13th child was ready to be born, the mother, Jane Leeds, cursed it, saying Uh that the child would be the devil. Oh, gosh. 
I think a lot of mothers curse way <laughs> earlier than their 13th child that the child is a devil. I was going to say, when you get to the point where you've had 13 children, I'm pretty sure you probably just start cursing all of them. Yeah, it probably wasn't really a curse. It was more just frustration. Yeah, I can only imagine. But the child ended up being born normal. And so then it rapidly started to change shape, <laughs> grow horns, hooves, and wings. And eventually, it was attempted to be exercised and flew out of the chimney with a blood-curdling scream. Oh, my. How long did it take for all those changes to happen? No idea. It was a legend. Oh, okay. So there's probably a hundred different variations of this story. Gotcha, gotcha. Because I'm envisioning, like, an infant that still can't hold its head up, like, flying with its head dangling out the chimney. I wasn't <laughs> envisioning the dangling, but now I am, and that's hilarious. <laughs> I Just should probably not floppy have head devil child. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's so funny though. Christ. Antichrist. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I mentioned variations. Some variations say that Jane was a witch and that the father was Satan himself. And obviously, as we should all know, especially if you're listening to a history podcast, and because Kylie's covered witches before, it was just very, very fashionable to call any woman who wasn't acting right a witch. I'm not so, a witch. I'm your wife. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Uh, women got uh, the short end of the stick when it came to any sort of eh, belief system or... You know, rights, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I imagine <laughs> it was not hard for people back then to believe, oh, yeah, she was a witch. Yeah, this story is probably true. Yeah, definitely. Yep. And that's about it. So it happened to be that this version of the folklore was further rooted in the fact that a Jaffet Leeds did live at Leeds Point around the time of the folklore, and his will did have 12 children named in it, but there was never a Jane Leeds, and Jaffet's wife's name was Deborah. That's a very far cry from Jane. Yeah, I think they were just going with the double J's for alliteration. Oh, all right, fair enough. Yeah. They probably didn't know much. It's probably later people found out that Jaffet's wife was actually Deborah. And I feel like Jane is like, I mean, it's John and Jane Doe, like when it's an unknown victim, so. Yeah, easy enough. Yeah. But this isn't actually the origin of the myth. Okay, so why'd you tell it to me? <laughs> because it's what people thought the origin of the myth was. Okay. So Jaffet Leeds couldn't have had a 13th kid in 1735 because he died in 1730. Oh, yep, okay. <laughs> and given that Deborah was about 45 years old at that point, she probably wasn't having another child. Definitely not five years after her husband's death. Especially because they were Quakers. Oh, yep. So there's no way that that was happening. Yeah. Or very okay. little chance. Yeah. So there's an even further back association with the Leeds Devil. There was once a man named Daniel Leeds who arrived in New Jersey in 1677. Oh, wow. We're getting back there. Then. We're jumping another hundred years. Well, this time, not a hundred years. 60-ish. Yeah. Yeah. We're jumping another 60-ish years back. He was both an advisor to the royal governor of New Jersey, Edward Hyde, the Lord of Cornbury, and he was also a Quaker. 
So there's kind of a connection there. This mm-hmm. other Leeds person was also a Quaker. I was going to make a joke about Jekyll and Hyde, but... <laughs> <laughs> another cryptid, another time. <sighs> Darn. Daniel Leeds also had a large number of children. Hmm. He had 10 between four wives, and two of his wives ended up dying during childbirth along with the child. So that's an, that's 12 children, which okay. also matches yeah. up with Jaffet Leeds. Hmm. Also, having like 10 to tw- 10 or 12 children or more, like for a for a man to father that many children back then really wasn't that uncommon. Um I just would have been very impressed if they had all been with the same woman. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of like the the little bit of the fiction that was going on with the legend is that yeah. you know, is this woman's 13th, know, 13th child. child. Yeah. When in possibly reality this person had 12 children split between four, four wives yeah that's a lot more plausible yeah except one of one of the wives the first child that she died with was the only child that oh they okay yeah so one of those wives did have a lot of children with daniel dang yep So in 1682, Daniel acquired land in the Great Egg Harbor near the Atlantic coast. He handed this property down to his sons, and it became known as Leeds Point. So it's in the same location as the the myth as well. Hmm. So at least they have the name, the location, and possibly the number of children right from the legend that they found. Just not from the right couple. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of inconsistencies, but yeah. <laughs> it's it's odd that they found another person that embodies a lot of these traits that they found first. Because remember, they didn't they didn't go back in time, find this, and then make up the story about the next person. They went and found the legend and had to dig even deeper to find yeah. the truth. They found like three legends before they got to the, what is likely the truth. Yeah. So in 1687, Daniel Leeds started publishing an almanac. In it contained horoscopes and astrological symbols, which got him ostracized by the Quakers for publishing pagan works. But when the Quakers voiced their displeasure with him, Daniel doubled down on not being censored and began including Christian occultism, Christian mysticism, cosmology, demonology, angelology, and natural magic in his almanac. Wow, this dude was way ahead of his time. Yeah, he just went right into it. He just went like full wicked on them. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, oh, you don't like astrological symbols? Here we go. Jeez. (laughs) So the Quakers ended up labeling Daniel a blaspheme, and Daniel began putting his publishing skills to work, calling back on the Quakers for being anti-monarchist or against the British royalty, who are still in control at that point, and published many other slanders of Quakers. The Quakers would further demonize Daniel for working with Lord Cornberry, who not only did they view as a jerk, and from what I saw, he probably was a jerk, <laughs> but he was also a blasphemer since he was a known crossdresser. Ah, well, I was I was going to say until you said that, that a lot of people who had Lord in front of their name back then were jerks. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently there's a painting of Lord Cornberry dressed up as his aunt, who is some form of royalty over in uh, Britain. Okay, well then. Yep, I didn't dig further into that. You know, different folks, different strokes. Yep, uh, I'm not going to hold that against him, but I I just heard that in other ways he was a jerk, so. But the Quakers definitely held that against him yeah. and definitely held that against his uh, assistant or console, whatever he was, Daniel Leeds. Yeah. 
So Daniel Leeds eventually became known as evil or a monster or even a devil. Mm. Does the Leeds devil ring any bells? Hmm. I'm connecting some dots here. Yep. So eventually one of Daniel's sons, Titan Leeds, took over the almanac for his father <laughs> and the two got lots of infamy when they started to directly compete with the much more famous and also at the time New Jersey local Benjamin Franklin uh-huh. and his publication of the Poor Richard's Almanac. Yep. Also, I find it really funny that he named his son Titan because like the Titans in like Greek mythology were, never mind. I can see that. No, you were you were on you were on something. You had, I, just, I found it kind of funny that you had a thread to connect. He named his son Titan. I don't know. All of his other children were kind of named normal, so it is also strange like that he David had and Titan. Goliath. David and he was Titan. I don't know. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> okay, I don't think you were that far off. Thank you. So Franklin ended up leaning into this competition, and in one issue, published that Titan Leeds would die on October of seventeen thirty three. And used a very obviously satirical take on astrology to do so. Oh, because man. Because Franklin didn't post anything like that ever. That's kind of mean, though. Yep. So Titan ended up hitting back at Franklin and supposedly faked his own death in October of 1733. Oh. <laughs> and then continued to publish the Leeds Almanac until 1738 when he did actually die. <laughs> Franklin showed no signs of stopping and continued to mock the ghost of Leeds even after his real death. All right, that one's just mean. That is just kind of Absolutely mean, but also kind of funny. And I, I mean, hate yes. to admit it. But <laughs> so basically, like Franklin in his almanac would take and write other accounts and satirical astrological things about the ghost of Leeds. And he like leaned into it and pretended like the the faked death actually happened as well. Oh boy. So it was just a super petty back and forth between these two. It sounds like it. So now we have real leads with many children who are called a devil, who practiced and fascinated who practiced and were fascinated by occultism that had public political feuds that lasted two generations and lived at Leeds Point in New Jersey. The yep. only thing we're missing here is the monster at this point, though some could argue that the common pairing of monster and devil with Leeds name was probably sufficient enough. So that last piece of the puzzle can be filled out by on the cover of the Leeds Almanac, they use the Leeds family crest, which oh. prominently featured a wyvern, ah. which is a two-legged winged horned dragon. Yep. So on both Daniel and Titan's version of the crest, the legs looked rather long. I saw a few different versions of it. So there's probably the reference to the kangaroo legs there. Okay. And the face is not super well distinguished other than the horns. So remind that. Does it remind you of the description of the Jersey Devil? Yep. Yes, it does. (laughs) So after the feud with Franklin died with Titan, the Leeds Devil actually stayed dormant for, you know, that 60 years before someone started making up new lore about it. Hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, because it was a political feud. So yeah, the, po- the political so feud fu- didn't need to go any further. That's so funny. Like, I never would have thought that, like, this mythical creature or whatever had its basis in, like, an act- in, like a political feud. Yeah, like, between to- Benjamin Franklin and yeah. an ex-Quaker. Yeah, like, that's just the weirdest thing. 
I, I I was just kind of surprised that it pulled back to Benjamin Franklin, like someone that like most people should remember that name, like a founding father. <laughs> yeah, and I for some reason I just you know had it in my head that he prob that like he probably wasn't that petty, but I guess he was. Yeah, or at least he was having fun with someone who is clearly a little insane. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it just all boiled down to political theater. So there you have it. All the twists and turns of the most documented case for a cryptid, which I also found interesting that because of that huge uh, craze in 1909, the Jersey Devil or the Leeds Devil is the most well-documented case of a cryptid. Wow, that's surprising. Yeah, I I was surprised to read that over, uh, you know, like Nessie. Yeah. But they're, you know, Nessie was just like, oh, we saw it and we're going to hunt around the lock. But this was like it spread from like a few different villages and yeah, people were ex- seeing the devil, the New Jersey devil everywhere and all that stuff. Um, I feel like maybe it's only the most well documented in the United States, though, because I feel like this is a very sim- similar story to like the Chupacabra. Oh, yeah, that could definitely be. So it's just to the U.S. Yeah. But I guess I could still give it the credence of most well-documented since it has actual roots that it kind of devolved from. Right. Yeah. Like you can find like the origin of the story. It's not just kind of like a mystery. Yeah. Which I found rather cool. Yeah. That was really neat. I had no idea. Yeah. I did not know that I was going to be finding that when I looked into it. I just saw that, (laughs) you know. I, I didn't really like too many of the topics I was seeing, and I'm yeah. like, ah, Jersey Devil. It's kind of funny because, like, I, you know, listen to paranormal and, like, other kind of crime podcasts and stuff. So, like, I don't think the Jersey Devil's ever been covered in them, but, like, it's something that I've heard of. Yeah. I just had no idea of the history behind it, and that's really neat. I feel like part of the reason why people don't talk about the Jersey Devil anymore is because if you see all of any of the most recent sightings of the Jersey Devil, it's people being like, oh, I ran into it on the highway and it did this and blah, 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 like normal cryptid stories. But then they all have videos on their cell phones, which are like clearly better than what they're letting on in their video capabilities. Uh And then when you see the thing that they supposedly caught a grainy glimpse of, it literally looks like someone has a stuffed animal of a goat that they strapped some wings on and just threw. No. <laughs> so, honestly, even even the like oldest attempts at like Nessie and everything were much more well done. Or like Chupacabra ones, which I believe the Chupacabra was actually proven to be a real animal at some point. I have no basis. I have no idea. Yeah, but uh, w- before it, it, you know, not ex- exactly a real animal as like to the, to the legends, but there's like a very similar animal to it. Um, but a lot of the hoaxers would just find bears that had mange because those yes. look really crazy. Yes. Yeah. And they would be like, oh, this is the thing that I found running down the road. But it was just a really sick bear, which is really sad. Yeah. Well. Also, uh, I think dogs, like large dogs were used too, because you find a lot of dogs with mange, especially in like the like Mexican, Southern United States kind of yeah. area. Well, in case I just spouted some nonsense about the chupacabra being real, uh, definitely email us. <laughs> yes, but please. I, I'm pretty sure that I saw that there is a creature that they can associate chupacabra killings with. 
But anyways. Someone should let us know. <laughs> yeah, let us know. That's all I've got. So time to move on for Call to Action. Woohoo! You guys can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Halfwit History. You can visit our website at halfwit-history.com. And you can send us an email to halfwitpod at gmail.com. And please do so with whether or not the chupacabra <laughs> has ever been associated with a real animal. Or, you know, like any other comments or suggestions or uh, topic ideas would be great, too. Um, we definitely would love to incorporate some, you know, listener ideas into what we pick. So that'd be great. Yeah. And if you have something that you want to learn more about, don't worry about when it is. Just send it to us. We'll figure out when it is, and we'll put it in our calendar. Yeah, because now we have, like, a calendar that we're actually doing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) To keep track of everything. (laughs) Yeah, so that I can make Twitter posts about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we also have a Ko-Fi if you want to help us make this our main hustle. Please. It's ko-fi.com forward slash halfwit history. And lastly, thank you to the Fishermen for the use of our theme song, Another Day. You can find a link to their SoundCloud in our show notes. Go check them out. They have a lot of good music. Yeah. Is it fun fact time? It is fun fact time. Do you want to go first? Sure. Alrighty. So, my um, fun fact is from July 4th of 1054. That's old. Yep. A supernova was seen for several months by Chinese Arab near the star Zeta Tauri. Its remnants form the Crab Nebula. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so big old supernova. Cool. On July 4th, which would have meant nothing in 1054, but it's kind of a cool coincidence now. Yeah, especially (laughs) since it's such a well-known nebula. Yeah. So my fun fact is on June 29th of 1888, it was the first known recording of classical music that was ever made. It was Handel's Israel in Egypt that got recorded on a wax cylinder. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's been our show. As always, I've been your halfwit. And I'm your historian. And we hope you listen next week. Bye. Recognize me, you don't need to me.